Thank you. You may be seated. wanted to give one more invitation uh, for the Bible Knowledge Hour. We've taken um, some time off over some holidays and last week because of Lapeer Days. Next Sunday night we'll be off as well for the holiday. But we are always encouraging our people to be doing what they can to be in God's Word, to be um, having a good Bible IQ is how I will say it sometimes, and this is a great way of us going through the entire Bible. We'll do it in about 125, 135 lessons, and we're right now in Exodus, and I know some people have questions about Leviticus. I know a lot of us, including preachers, have questions about Leviticus, and so we're going to be jumping into that in the next few weeks, and if you, have, if you ever have somebody come to you and say, what's that all about, Leviticus? You can go online and listen to these lessons. Um, that's, there's a link right on our website. You can also tune in through the radio. You can also come in in person. We'll be giving out some certificates for people that have um, gone through uh, certain amounts of the training. We'll start with the Pentateuch and give a little bit of a review quiz. But you can catch up with everything online if you've not been a part of it. I'd like for us to pray one more time before we look into God's word. Heavenly Father, I would ask that you would set a guard over my mouth. You would watch over the doors of my lips that what is said would be not only pleasing in your sight but reflective of your perfect word that you've given to us to walk on our journey. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start out by asking a question this morning, and uh, you can raise your hand or raise an item that you may have, but I wonder how many of you were given a bulletin this morning? If you're given a bulletin, would you raise your hand or raise your bulletin up in the air? All right, hold them up there. If you have it out, you can look at the first page of the inside. It's not uh, jugular that you do this, but it will help you as we get started. You'll see right there, the very first thing that comes inside of our bulletin is an order of service. Now, many of you, most of you, do not know what took place this past Thursday, but we flip-flopped and changed all the songs, almost all of them. These were the songs that were chosen for this coming Sunday, but we changed the order completely, and some of you would have been thrown totally off if we would not have reflected that in the bulletin that was given. Now, oftentimes when we go to a um, sporting event, or if we go to some kind of a program, maybe a drama or um, some kind of a music program, we're given a program, kind of like a bulletin. And we can follow along in that and see what's coming up next oftentimes. Now, if you've had the habit of going to a sports program, or I should say say a sporting event, and you look in there, sometimes you'll get some information about what's going to happen, and you'll also get some information about the players. Oftentimes, there will be some statistics about the players that are going to be playing that day, and that can be helpful. Maybe you'll see how many errors they've made or how many points they've scored. Um, I can remember memories back when I used to play um, high school basketball, and they would put right in there, they'd put um, the height and the weight of the players, six foot, 200. Maybe we should start doing that with everybody that's involved in the program, right? Start putting the height and the weight for everybody that's playing or singing. And I'm seeing some head shaking no. All right. 
We'll think about that. When we, when we say there's no such thing as a good idea, that's not always true, is it? That's probably a horrible idea. Although if we said six foot, 200 pounds, that would be not a full truth, I think, if it was for me and what I was doing. Oftentimes, we'll see a description next to a person. I would like for us to transition today, and as we continue with this study in spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God, I'm going to suggest to us that today we're talking about something that is the breastplate of righteousness. And in case you're curious what that's all about, what we'll be talking mainly about today is righteous living. How are you doing with your righteous living? To be perfectly honest with us, you and I are going to have a hard time having credibility in our Christian walk with individuals that surround us that know that we are a Christian or that know that we go to church at a minimum. And we're going to have a hard time with our credibility if our living does not match at least what they think a Christian ought to be. Let me ask this question. If your name is going to be written in the program when we get up in heaven, what kind of stats are going to be written next to your name? Or this, what kind of description might you have written in the past week that can be reflected by putting it next to your name for all eternity? If you're looking for some kind of a takeaway uh, paragraph, I would say this for us. We should practice righteous living in order to resist the attacks of the devil and so that we can be effective in following the most serious order that God, our commander, has given us, and that would be the Great Commission. We need to have righteous living as part of our lives and the first part and the bulk of it is going to be so that we can resist the attacks of the devil. This is spiritual warfare. And if we're going to be really honest, do you ever as a Christian feel just a little bit slighted when people who are not Christians get what appears to be blessed? People who are not followers of Jesus Christ, and it seems like there's just an incredible hand of blessing upon their lives. It almost doesn't seem fair. We need to understand that there are principles in God's word, and this is a valuable lesson for us. I know I had this question when I was growing up. Why does it seem like people who aren't following Jesus Christ get blessed in an amazing way? And I can't give you a perfect answer for that, But I can tell you this, and this will be helpful for you. There are people, even those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are not Christians, and yet they can practice Bible principles and they can still reap the benefits of that. Now, do not turn that off too quickly. Do not say, no, there's no benefit for the non-Christian who's practicing these things because some of them just make obvious sense. Throughout the scriptures, we find the sowing and reaping principle. If an individual who does not know Jesus Christ is honest throughout their entire life, do you think there are going to be some positive things that come from that? Absolutely. And this is also why you need to be very careful in not saying that it's only Christians that live like this. Have you ever heard that message from somebody? 
Have you ever heard from somebody that, well, let's just keep our eyes open and watch. They'll eventually show their true colors. There are some people that do not know Jesus Christ that you would trust with the keys to your house, I would suggest today, right? There are some people out there that when you look at their life, they are making some good and moral choices. I don't mean to discourage us, but if you're of the mindset, well, hang on a second. If even people outside of faith in Christ can benefit from that, well, then is there a benefit to me doing it? Is there something greater that I can receive from that? And I would suggest to us today the answer to that question is yes. There is something more that can come from the follower of Jesus Christ living a good and moral life. And in a nutshell, it is this. When you practice righteous living, you are actually preparing yourself for attacks from the devil. We are talking about Christian warfare. We are talking about our enemy who never sleeps, who's been studying mankind for thousands of years, and if he cannot have your soul, brother or sister, then he wants to make you ineffective in the years that you spend in this world. And so he is watching. But as we have set up the enemy that we have and talked about him and about his power and how we must not underestimate him, we have also talked about the devil's enemy, and that is our God and what God has given us. You see, God has not given us a path to losing. He has given you exactly what you need to have victory in your journey. Now, most of us, if we've read all the way through the end, we know that we win in the end, right? And all God's people said, amen. There will come a day when it's very, very clear. But let's not kid ourselves. I know that there are days when it is not that clear, right? I know there are some days when you get up and it doesn't look like what God would want to happen is happening. And there are days when you will face the enemy and he will throw things at you and you did not feel prepared for that. All that to bring us to our text. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. In your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6. Um, as I mentioned before, we're covering, uh, we've, slowed a, we've slowed down quite a bit with as far as the content that we're covering today. We'll actually focus in on one half of a verse, but we're close to the end, so it's got to come eventually, right? We will finish Ephesians sometimes, sometime in the next several weeks. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse number 13 and go down through 14. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now let's stop right there. We have already noted that the Apostle Paul is using an illustration here. And illustrations are great ways to teach and to learn, aren't they? Aren't you thankful for illustrations? Aren't you? Jesus Christ was the master at using illustrations. I mean, neither, can, neither should a man light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. You see, you and I know all that as the written word of God. 
But those were pictures that Jesus put together. Jesus was the master teacher. Another great teacher was the Apostle Paul who penned this letter to the church at Ephesus. And as he writes to them there, he uses this illustration, this picture of a Roman soldier that they would have been familiar with and that likely Paul had been staring at for months, if not years at this point. And he takes the different pieces of the uniform that that soldier is wearing and he relates them to something for the followers of Jesus Christ. Now, the Roman breastplate... This was a large piece of, it was either leather or maybe bronze or maybe chain mail, you know, the metal hooked together. One of those three things that was to protect the vital organs of the body. One of the most helpful books for Christians that has been written outside of the Bible is Pilgrim's Progress. I hope you're familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. There is a very vivid picture that John Bunyan writes when he puts Pilgrim's Progress together and he says this when he talks about Pilgrim and facing his enemy, Apollyon comes in and he talks about the protection of the breastplate on Pilgrim and he paints a vivid picture that there is only protection on the front and there's no protection on the back. Now, from a pragmatic point of view, I'll tell you, that preach is pretty good. No retreat, no running away. That sounds good to me, but when we look at the actual breastplate that a Roman soldier would wear, we know that his vital organs were protected on the front and on the back. And I would just rabbit trail here for a second to let you know that I think, it's my personal opinion, that there are times when the Christian does need to run. When we look in God's word and we see characters, characters like Joseph who was put in a place of compromise where Potiphar's wife was attempting to seduce him and Joseph who remained in his integrity day after day and week after week and year after year and Joseph was put in a place where he had to run from that temptation, from that one who would seek to do him harm. I give this as counsel sometimes. I will tell young men, there are times when you need to run. There are some young women, there are times when you need to run. You don't need to stand there in the face of the temptation or of a, a de- not demonic attack and start to think about the pieces of the armor. Do I have this on? I was trying to find the best Bible verse to fight this. There are some times where you will need to run. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself. But the simple go on and they suffer for it. When we go through Proverbs, there are so many practical, practical applications. And in Proverbs chapter 7, there is a vivid picture that is painted of the simple one who did not run. He went the wrong way. Let me give you some summary of several verses in Proverbs 7 where it says this about a woman who would seek to harm a man through seduction. For at the window of my house I looked out and through a lattice and have seen among the simple, I have perceived one among the youths, a young man, lacking sense, 
passing along the street near her corner. The woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning, for my husband is not home. And with much seductive speech, she persuades him. It goes on to say, let not your heart turn aside. Her house is the way to death. When we talk about righteous living, you need to be prepared for the attacks that are coming. So what does that mean for you? What have you seen before? How has the devil attacked you and been successful at some point in the past? Well, right away, that needs to be high on your radar. What might there be that the devil is using today in our community to knock people out of effectiveness for Jesus Christ? This needs to be high on your radar. There is an expectation that God has given us that if we want to walk through this world not nervous and scared about the devil, we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, of righteous living. How many individuals would lay awake at night haunted that their sin might be found out the next day and their world be turned upside down. God's word tells us, be sure your sins will find you out. We need to understand that we have this protective piece of armor. There are times when we are to run from temptation. There are also times when we will stand firm as we read earlier in verse 13. So we get an idea of what this protective breastplate is. It's a protective piece front and back. But how do we understand that other descriptive word? It's a breastplate of what? Righteousness. What does this mean? Well, just as the belt of truth that we discussed last time meant both the truth of God's word, absolute truth, as well as the practice of truth in our lives, now we look at the second piece of the armor and we understand the breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It was flowing through, through so much of the music that we sang today that God the Father would look at God the Son and you and I would be declared perfect and acceptable. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is what that means, but it also means the righteousness of our living. So we have two answers for this as well. We understand how important it is for us to be prepared and when we stand against our enemy, we need to understand that if you've put on the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, it is both a positional righteousness based on Christ and what he did and a practical righteousness. Let's talk about those very quickly. Number one, positional righteousness. Positional righteousness. Certainly, there is nothing that you could ever come across that could give you more confidence when walking in this world than the confidence that comes by being justified by faith, by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate confident booster. There is no greater protection 
than a right relationship with God. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we call this the imputed righteousness of God. You are seen as righteous, so we put this on. So that means you have to, in order to wear this part of the spiritual armor, you have to be saved. You are seen as clean. That's a part of it. Let's look at that second part, and we'll spend uh, more time on that. This is the practical righteousness. This is the righteousness of our character and of our conduct. And if you and I want to have credibility, if you and I want to live in this world and we want to be able to walk with a confidence from the attacks of the devil which are going to come, and also if we want to walk with a confidence that our walk, or that our walk matches our talk so people around us are seeing us, this is that practical righteousness. And when you and I are cultivating righteousness in our lives, Don't miss what you're doing. It's not just that you're a good guy or a good girl. When we are cultivating righteousness in our lives, we are strengthening ourselves for the attacks of the devil. We can walk out and not have to be nervous about what he will do that day. What does this mean practically? It means that we have a pattern and a lifestyle Humility, being open to those that we love giving us instruction and correction. It means that we have a pattern and lifestyle of kindness. You cannot blame the fact that you are not kind on anything else. It is a choice that we have. Now, some of us have to work harder on it than others. I get that. But don't blame your family history, your family tree. Don't blame your childhood, your background. We, of all people that have been receivers of the grace of Jesus Christ, we need to walk showing kindness to those that are around us. What's going to be written next to your name? How about the word fairness? Will that be written? How about the word courage? And we need to define that well. When I say courage, I mean courage to stand up for the things that God wants us to stand for, not letting evil continue to pass by. Honesty. If these are not a part of our life, then listen, remember what part that breastplate of righteousness covers, the vital organs. We are leaving ourselves exposed to attacks from the devil. When we talk about the devil, we've talked about some of his names, right? And some of you are more familiar with one name than another because he's keyed in on you, maybe reflecting that title that he has. One of the names that we have mentioned of the devil that's very descriptive is he is the accuser. I believe we focused on the location of the devil and the Bible tells us going all the way back to the book of Job that the devil would stand before God and he would stand and make accusations of brothers and sisters in Christ. And he would go and I wonder how much fodder, how much ammunition we are giving the devil when he would go up there before God and say, look at this one. 
Look at this one here. Look at what they've done. And we are blessed to know as the first three chapters of Ephesians teach us our position in Jesus Christ if we've accepted that gift of salvation there is nothing that can remove that and all those accusations when they are given from the devil to God they would fall on deaf ears. He would simply point to his son Jesus Christ and say all is forgiven and so we are accepted. And that's the first part of the breastplate of righteousness. But very much so, that second part is extremely important. God did, as far as I can tell from looking at you, God did not take you up to be in heaven with him as soon as you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? You are here, and you're here for a reason. And that's where we get into the second part, this practical righteousness. The life that we live, the moral choices that might give that little adjective that's written next to your name. They're going to do one of two things. The choices you make in your life are going to do one of two things. Either they are going to fortify you against the devil's attacks or else they're going to make you more vulnerable because even though those accusations made to God, he would not hold them to your account. Oftentimes the devil can repeat that to us. I mentioned a little bit ago being haunted in your sleep of that sin being caught. Don't you think that the demons know about that and they would remind you of that? Just telling you you can't be effective? You can't do anything? He would remind us of our failures when it comes to practical righteousness. And nobody's perfect and you figure yourself out. Some of us have to work less in some areas and more in some areas, and that's okay. God understands that, and his grace is sufficient to get us where he wants us. And I would suggest as there's, there's these two applications that they are actually connected fairly closely. I would suggest to you that if you have a constant habit of not putting on the breastplate of righteousness, of righteous living, I would suggest to you that the devil can take that and we are vulnerable to where he would actually, are you you paying attention? He would make us doubt our positional righteousness. If we are not living in a way where we are following the teachings and principles of God's word and we are intentionally harboring sin, harboring the opposite of what God wants us to be, I submit to us that the devil can be very, very effective at taking that, which is your practical righteousness, and making you doubt your positional righteousness. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know how common it is for a follower of Jesus Christ to doubt his or her salvation because of the sin that is in their life. I've heard preachers go off on this. If you're practicing this sin, probably not saved. You're not going to hear that come from me because I get very, very picky about telling someone whether they are saved or whether they are not saved. I can say what God's word says. But I think the devil makes it very, very confusing. If I'm continuing in this sin, and I, I, I'd raise my hand, I've been down this road before in my story. If I continue to do this sin and can't have victory over it, well, perhaps I'm not really saved. 
Understand, this is a very effective attack of the devil. If you are not putting on the breastplate of righteousness, you are vulnerable, and he can take it so far as to make you think that you're not even a child of God. And so what do we need to do? Daily, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, you don't know how many times I've failed. You, you can't look within my heart and my mind, those things I don't even talk about with the closest person to me, and you don't know how deplorable those sins are. Well, I know that Jesus Christ said the debt is paid in full, and so if you think God can't forgive that, it's nonsense. What we have to do is daily put on the righteousness of God. And if we stumble and if we fall, I was just thinking of adopting a brand new life verse this past week. A just man falls seven times and what? Rises up again. Is that you? You'd say, man, I'm up to 49 already. Praise God for this first part of the breastplate of righteousness that we are secure. But if you want to not be vulnerable to the attacks of the devil, you must practice a righteous living, these morals. So these two work together. When you were saved, you were given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you need to constantly remind yourself of that. I know not everybody's a music person, but these songs that we sing, they constantly remind us of what God has done and how we are different. And so it's such an important practice in our life to be taking those in, listening to those, singing those. That righteousness will cover you for all eternity, but in order for you to live the kind of life that's going to win the daily battles over Satan, you must apply righteous living. And unfortunately, and I think this is a problem in theology, there are some people, some Christians who think that because they are covered with that imputed righteousness, that it doesn't matter how they live. And I would say in all caps, with an exclamation point, beware. If you think that you repeated a prayer some years ago, and because of that, you're good with God, so you can live any way you want. You need to examine your life and you need to examine this book because this tells us, this tells us the measuring stick for who is a follower of Jesus Christ and who is not. You need to jump in there. And there, we live in a day where there are fewer and fewer guarantees, right? Less and less things that are guaranteed in life. But I can give you one thing that is 100% guaranteed. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but you are choosing to hold on to something, some kind of not righteous living, that's not very good grammar, I understand. If you're choosing to hold on to something, that sin, that lack of righteousness, there is a chink in your armor where you are vulnerable and if you choose to hold on to that, I can guarantee you this. If you are a Christian and you're holding on to that sin, I can 100% guarantee you that you are going to lose something. You will lose the joy of your salvation. God has given us this breastplate of righteousness to live by. And if we are not doing this, we will lose the joy of our salvation. If you are not aiming for a holy life, then you're going to have problems because of God withholding his blessings. 
I believe we see that. No obedience, no joy. Maybe that's what's going on in your life. David understood this. When David was choosing to continue in his sin, he prayed, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He had the salvation, but he didn't have the joy of his salvation. This is a driving point for us. You can live a righteous life. It's a matter of daily, moment-by-moment choices. All right, every once in a while, I get a chance to check up on you guys. Every once in a while, it happens. And I'm not talking about going on Facebook and doing some, you know, stalking and all that. But my wife and I ran into somebody in the past few days who knows a family here in the church. And my ears always perk up when that happens. I did not know them before, but we got to talking and they said, oh, so-and-so, they go to your church. And then they continued to talk about them. They told us what they thought of them. They gave us their opinion of one of you. I wouldn't be using the example if it wasn't a positive example. I'll just let you know that (laughs) right now. But what it came down to was is the individuals from this local assembly that they ran into, they were the real deal. They talked about Jesus Christ and they lived about Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna share with you afterwards, who it, not with you, but with that person afterwards, who it was, because they wouldn't want me to share it. Listen, God has given us this breastplate of righteousness so that we will not be vulnerable to the attacks of the devil, but also that we will have credibility, credibility in this world. And I know we live in a different day. We live in a a, a cocooning day. There's a cocooning term that I learned back in college where people like to go in their homes and close the doors. They're not on their front porches anymore. They're inside, you know, and that blue glow is coming through the window. I know it's a different day that we live in, but understand God has given us one commission. And every day you are building credibility, whether you can share that you're a Christian or not. There's something being written next to your name. Quickly as we close, what can you do? What can you do with this? Number one, and hopefully you've already written it down if you're taking notes, build your life with consistent moral values. There is no substitute for this. This is the righteousness that we're to be putting on daily, the breastplate of righteousness. That's part of it added to the salvation that we enjoy. Kindness, honesty. You lie one time in the workplace and they know you go to this church, guess what they think about this church? Talk about a stewardship, right? One time. You turn a blind eye to wrong that's going on. Or those people in that group are all laughing about something that is sin, that is wickedness. And you give a supportive nod or grin. Do you understand the stewardship of this? Living a righteous life? Have the courage to stand up. Look to others, and if you're having a hard time being with them, being around them, forgiving them, remind yourself of how many times Jesus Christ forgives you. It'll be a little bit easier to put up with that. Cooperation, hard work. Number one, build your life with consistent moral values. Number two, 
and this is just a, it's, it's an aside almost, use the credibility of a righteous life as a platform to share the gospel. The message can be sent without even saying a word they are looking at you. And so I would bring us back to that opening illustration and say, well, I hope your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the first part. If you're not familiar with this, listen to me very carefully. And if you, if, if you know Jesus Christ, you're going to love this. Are you ready? God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus Christ from heaven down to this earth. He trained disciples. He proved that he was God. He performed miracles. But the greatest thing that Jesus Christ did was he died on a cross for you, for me so that we would not have to pay for our own sins. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So when we think about the end, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? There's gonna come a judgment day for everybody. Now, let me throw this out there as the final question, all right? It's kind of a trick question, so don't nod your head too quickly. Which one does God look at? On judgment day... What does God look at? Does he look at that first part of the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Is that what he looks at? Or does he look at the righteous living part? Don't answer too quickly. I believe the answer is both. He will see you if you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've asked for forgiveness for your sins, and he will look, he won't look at you as far as being able to get into heaven. You're already accepted if that's the case. But there's going to come a judgment day for believers where he's going to judge our works. And those, that judgment will not see if you get into heaven or not. That will determine how you will be rewarded. I think it will be determine how you will stand in the future of heaven and what God will put you over. We're going to be judged by whether we are accepted, and that's on the basis of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be, accept, we're going to be judged by our faithfulness. The Bible tells us those beautiful words that we want to hear. Do you know what they are? Do you know what those beautiful words that you should want to hear are that talk about the second half of it? It is well done, good, and faithful, and that's up to you. That's up to me. Let's pray. Father, we would praise you today as we have referenced, as we so often do, that love that you showed to mankind by sending your own son to be killed on a cross for us. And God, we would praise you today that you've left us here in this world and that it's gonna rub some people the wrong way. Some people are ready to be done with their time in this world. I get that. But you have left us here for a very specific reason. And I would ask that you would allow these people, these wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ to understand the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness that we need to put on in salvation, but also in the choices that we make. And I thank you that we're not alone in this. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. We have the principles of God's word crystal clear and we need to have a church family that would encourage us someone very close to us that would keep spurring us on to be faithful and to serve someone that would raise the red flag and say danger don't go down that road 
Here's what I've seen, because they love us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna ask Ron to play through a stanza on the piano. And as he does, this is a chance for you to pray. I'm not sure what God's laid on your heart. It might be the fact that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Here's how you do it. You just ask him to forgive you and make you his son or his daughter. And he will do that based on the work of Jesus Christ because you're a sinner. You can do that while the piano plays. Maybe there's another area that you'd like to talk to. I'm not gonna direct you in that way. Whatever God has laid on your heart, you pray.